Welcome to part 17 of the Break This Organizing Rule If You Have ADHD series that I do every 10th episode. And if you didn't know about that and you want to go back and check out the whole series, just jump around in the feed for every 10th episode. But today we're going to jump into breaking the rule of conventional organizing methods work best. Let's dig in. A wise person once said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. Well, fish, quit trying to climb trees while getting advice from well-intentioned monkeys. It's time to jump in the water and learn how to swim with the current of your life. I'm Joy, a professional organizer, mom of four, and fellow fish brain. If you're looking for a place to get understanding, encouragement, and ideas for your home that actually fit how your brain thinks, then I'm glad you're here. Let's ditch the type A advice and embrace what makes our brains and our homes unique. Together, we can have a joy-loving home. So I don't know if you know this about me, if you haven't been a very long time listener, but I love to sort of collect quotes and play around with words. And I, I don't know if it's from my prior elementary teaching background, but I love aphorisms and acronyms and little stories with morals. And I don't know, I just, I find all of that stuff fun. So I tend to, I used to write them all down in a book and now I'll pin them (laughs) while I'm in Pinterest. But we often hear things as I was researching for kind of sharing this breaking of the rules series where we'll hear things like, oh, it's tried and true, or that comes from the wisdom of the ages. Let's not break from tradition. And I'm not saying that I disagree with any of the value that comes from those sort of ancient proverbs, if you will. (laughs) I also see value, though, in novel approaches to things. You know, you'll hear people say, well, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Or Without innovation, you can't have any progress. And there's people that push against those traditions and rules. But I also see value in people who give up too quickly. Were you looking for some sort of easy hack when really what you needed was more practice to make perfect what you were trying to accomplish? Or if you can stick with one thing and really try getting better at it every day, the next thing you know, you'll have mastered it because a jack of all trades means you're a master of none. But then there's value in Renaissance people who explore all kinds of different creative outlets. We won't know what we're really good at unless we try different things. If you're always trying to be the square peg in the round hole, life can be frustrating. I could go on and on like this where I could dish out little nuggets of wisdom old wives' tales, and just people pushing against them because the attempt to keep things traditional and the attempt to push it against it have been going on forever. And so I'd like to propose an idea where there's value in both. You don't have to pick one side or the other of this sort of stance of tradition versus novelty, because I'd like to share the thought that if we respect the value of convention, and let's 
let's make sure we know the definition of being conventional or the conventional way to do things. Literally conventional just means the way things are usually done. (laughs) So that begs to be pushed against because why is it usually done that way? Why can't it be done some other way? But without knowing the convention, there is no way to ever be unconventional because you wouldn't have a norm to push against. Where would the creativity be born from if there wasn't a conventional way to do things in the first place? You would have no standard to push against and to try something new or different if there wasn't the usual. And so both need to exist. Each one needs the other to exist, I guess is what I'm saying. There's no no such thing as being unconventional if convention doesn't happen in the first place. And if nobody ever bucked against convention, then there wouldn't be this need to sort of preserve it and respect it for what it is. So (laughs) the best example I can give for this in, in sort of like real life to get down to the meat of it is let's think about cursive writing. I mean, it used to be the standard taught typically in third grade. And it was just part of rote existence in elementary schools. We all had to learn and be graded on how exact our cursive writing would get and how neat and did it reach exactly to the little dotted line or to the top line, whether it was a lowercase circle or the uppercase line, if you had to do a D versus a T, which one reached to the top of the line and which one actually fell just short of it. And I know those things because I'm old enough to have been a teacher in elementary school where I still taught cursive writing. By the end of my very short tenure in teaching elementary school, in the last two years I taught, there was already a push to get rid of it. It was wasting time that we needed in other areas of instruction. It was something that because I was in fourth grade and it quit being taught in third grade, that I would write on the board in cursive and kids were like, I can't read that. I don't know how to read that. And my stick in the mud self would be like, well, you'd better learn. (laughs) And someone could argue both sides of this coin because do, do we really need cursive writing? In the digital age, we can create a font that looks like cursive writing. We can now sign e-sign documents where we can even pick out which font we want our signature to look like. I've had circumstances where my kids who never learned cursive were asked to sign for their driver's license on a little screen with the stylus. It's a really hard way to make your cursive look good even if you know it. And they look with fear in their eyes of, oh my gosh, I'm about to embarrass myself because my name is going to look like a second grader wrote it. And here I am at 16 trying to get my license. It's almost gotten to the point where we've come full circle with when illiterate people would mark a contract with an X and somebody had to witness and say, yeah, that's their X. Because kids these days don't have a signature. But let's think about what signatures were in the first place. They were these wonderful creative expressions of how we would twist the convention, the conventional way we would write cursive letters and make them our own and stylize them so that autographs became standout and visible. I mean, people called it giving it your John Hancock 
because his signature was so stand out on the Declaration of Independence that we coined the phrase for it. Nobody sort of argued with there was a time and a place for a signature to be unique, but that uniqueness could only be born from having learned what the letters were supposed to look like in the first place. They worked together. When I do this whole fish brain, monkey brain sort of explanation of how I want to bend and break these rules, I am pushing against a convention, the conventional standards of organizing. But I respect that they exist and I respect that I took the time to learn them because I see why the steps exist. I see why they work for so many type A people. And then that gives me the freedom to say, why doesn't it work for this individual? And what if at this step we try and tweak it because it doesn't have to be done that way. It's just the convention. And so therefore I can come up with ideas and ways to twist them and ways to try it a little differently, but they're based in something that is a standard. I mean, I think about back in the pioneering days when all the women would gather and bang their clothes against rocks to try and get them clean as they were traveling along the Oregon Trail. And one day some crazy lady showed up with a metal pan with some ridges on it. And instead of beating her clothes against the rock, she scraped them up and down on this pan. Everybody thought she was crazy. It didn't make sense until her clothes looked cleaner than everybody else's. And so it shifted and convention updated until the next wild, crazy brain had the idea of creating a washing machine (laughs) and so on and so forth. And it will bend and it will flex. So there's value in knowing the where it started. And there's value in having a baseline of convention so that you can become unconventional. So this was one part of my series and one part of a little jolt of joy, because I think you can find value in both. When you bristle against the conventional way organizing is done, as I have, remind yourself that It's okay to try it that way when somebody has a suggestion and then analyze why is it that this conventional method doesn't work for me and how can I tweak it? And I hope if you enjoy those little tweaks that you'll make sure you subscribe and keep listening. I'd love to have you here and listening and subscribing. And if you want to join our group, you can do that too because it's a lovely place to be. You can get there by going to bit.ly slash joy loving home community. And again, um, I also want to say if you enjoy sort of the novelty of, of my approach and you haven't given me a rating or review, I would love that because it helps other people find me and see if maybe these tweaks in the convention help them too. All right, until next time, continue to choose joy.